0: Hello, my name is Kusha, and I'm from the United States of America. And I like to call myself an artist, a struggling one, a talented one, a sexy one, a mysterious one, an annoying one, and a person trying to
1: figure things out in life. (laughs) (laughs) That's Kusha from M25. This week, we're diving into Kusha's story on Humans of Minerva. We're diving deep! Welcome to Humans of Minerva, a podcast which captures the interesting stories of humans at Minerva. So interesting. I'm your host, Leo, from M25, and today I'm sitting down with Kusha from M25 as well. Hi, Leo. It's such a
0: pleasure to be right next to you recording this podcast, and thank you to the listeners who are spending their holiday weekend listening to us talk about the most important topics in the world, which is, of course, me. Sorry.
1: Why, why? Why do you think you're the most important topic? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I think a good place to start is to start with your childhood and where you grew up. So, I visited your home. I think it's a very nice place. It's a very nice neighborhood, and you have very lovely parents. How? Do you, Do you agree with that?
0: Los Gatos is a very sheltered place. I felt very cozy growing up around diverse friends. It is like the last white stronghold of the Bay Area. A lot of the cities have been taken over with immigrants who are working hard in the Silicon Valley. Like near us, we got a town called Cupertino, which is known for having a huge Chinese population. There's Sunnyvale, which is, you know, stereotypically seen as the city with a lot of Indians. And I feel like Los Gatos is the last white city, predominantly white, conservative, old money, um originally the town was known for being a place where people who worked in san francisco would have their holiday homes that they would Mm -hmm. go work in sf and then come down the coast a bit and stay there so that's a bit background behind the town itself but yeah it's a nice place
1: i think something interesting is like the netflix headquarters is what like a five minute walk from where you live yeah it's very close um and i feel like when i
0: moved into the house that my family's currently living and it really like settled in like this is Silicon
1: Valley. This Mm. is the Bay Area. Like, well, something else interesting is, so you said it's one of the last stronghold uh, white neighborhoods, but you're originally from, or your parents are from Iran.
0: Yeah, exactly. So my parents, they grew up and everything about their life is about the Iranian culture, Persian heritage, and they brought that with them to the U S. And I feel like, you know, if you were to ask me, who I am, where I'm from, what my ethnicity is like, that is not the most simple answer. I would just say, you know, American, Mm -hmm. where it benefits me. But, you know, I really feel aligned with my Persian identity and I feel like my parents are not the only parents, people from Iran who've come to the Bay Area, settled down and basically created a diaspora, like a community where we feel safe and we hang out with people like us, speaking the same language, highly educated folks who all came under the same notion of the American dream and all that. Right.
1: Do you believe in the American dream?
0: I felt like as a kid, I did more than I do now, just because there was a period where I was really into entrepreneurship. And i like to think that that mindset of willing something into existence and being responsible for it and like contributing to the capital environment and basically working, hustling, it's all going through a better cause. There's endless things that can come with that. But now I feel like it's much more difficult than what people said. And... Things are different now. Opportunities are more saturated and it's not, we're not currently living in the same world that had my parents come to the US. Now things are much more expensive. You know, politically things are different with visas. I don't know the details, but it's just a different time yeah. now. So it's hard to say if the American dream is a thing. I, I think for people outside the US, I, I do think there are set limits on who you can be, how far you can go, unless you're willing to you know, work exceedingly hard or you know luck or other factors
1: yeah so you know when you're a child and i mean life is sort of simpler and there's just things that you love doing yeah what's one thing you did as a child that was just like you just like you do do it for hours and you don't care about anything else sure yeah um growing up you know i
0: my parents i'll give them big credit for this they really wanted to keep me and my brother busy so what they did is they would sign us up for art classes taekwondo Uh, And I feel like within that structure, what I enjoyed most was like self-expression through art, I would would paint. Mm -hmm. There was a good period, eight, nine years, where I played piano. Piano was part of my um, daily schedule as a kid, as well as I really loved football, soccer, for depends where you're from, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Sorry guys, I'm American. I was also very into sports until like, you know, high school where I had to make a decision like, is this something I want to take to the next level or put my whole life into it, you know? But yeah, my answer to your question would be art. Now that I I paint and I'm more in touch with my artistic sort of side. But in reality,
1: it was like, it was a wide range of things. Like I- Yeah, I think the person you are now, I'll say that you're not the biggest fan of authority and of like the norms that are in society as a whole and within the community. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Do Do you think you always had that as like, even as a child, like, would you definitely do things that your teachers would just hate and like, yeah, rebel? Yeah, yeah. The my, my
0: first memory of doing something, you know, rebellious was I I, I created a new term in first grade. Uh-huh. Um, it's hairy bikini. I started pointing to like girls in our class and would like say hairy bikini. Yeah. And my teacher would get really mad. Her name was like Miss Holbrook. Shout out Miss Holbrook. But yeah, I was always, you know, on edge. There, there always seemed to be something like, I don't know what to call it, like anger, or I I had to just use my energy on something. So mm. as a kid, like my mom signed me up for Taekwondo. So I was always I was learning how to fight. Yeah, I was finding a way to like, put my energy out and figure out like, how to go against like, I want to say authority at that point, because like, what, what is a kid gonna do, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think in high school, I started realizing I was a bit different. um uh, Because I didn't like being told what to do, yes. especially if I can create like a like an argument in my head that makes sense to me but not to other people. I'm like, I'm just going to do what I think is right or what I can rationalize. Not not just because some authority that someone says is valuable or we should listen to them. Like that's not enough of a reason for me to behave. I think one reason why I went even more, like this became a part of my personality is because I feel like I see other people who aren't quite acting like themselves. They're accepting Mm. things or they're conforming to certain dynamics that I feel like knowing them as a person, they wouldn't do if they just knew that there was more to self-expression and there's more to you can stand up for yourself. You can rebel, you can be whoever you want to be. You know, I feel like by seeing my peers limiting themselves mentally, like it started with humor. You know, I would always be the guy to take humor to the next level, sometimes at the expense of other people, sometimes just to push the bounds of irony. But I realized like starting with humor and just what we are allowed to say my friends, the people I would respect and who I would, you know, want to learn things from are, it's as if there's a buffer on what they can say and how they're trying to present their ideas in their mind to me. And I felt like, is there something wrong generally with people and with the way society is structured? Or is it just me? Am I the problem? But I don't think I'm alone, you know, in seeing it this way. I I just always felt like Mm. people are not supposed to be, maybe they're like supposed to be animalistic or they're supposed to be a little more individualistic in certain scenarios where people just want to tell everyone what to do, how to act, and basically keep it simple. Like I don't like that simplicity when I feel like people can be complex and should be proud of their individual yeah. complexity.
1: Yeah. So so it feels like to sum, summarize that, it's like you want to be free and you want to be who you are that like from your heart. Yes. And And you think other people and everyone should be like this too. That's where it gets tricky. Yeah. Because once again, with my
0: same argument, who am I to tell others? Now I think I'm the God right. authority that you should be like this.
1: Because sometimes structure is nice. Yeah. Sometimes I it's agree. nice for people to tell you what to do so you know the rules to
0: play by. Yes. I think that for a period of my life, I wasn't being myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would say early high school or, or whatever. And overcoming a lot of insecurities and stuff put me in a place where I felt like I was myself. And then I was like, wow, it's a big aha moment and everything clicked. It felt like there is this lack of authenticity and lack of creativity just in people's existence and mere presence. Mm -hmm. There's something missing, like people are being silent when they should be loud. They're not standing up for themselves. They're letting people walk over them. Mm -hmm. And they they want to just see things two-dimensionally when life could be more fun if they saw the third dimension, you know? If they saw it a different way, if they're willing to entertain a more creative way of seeing things, I guess.
1: So, so I don't know a lot about Persian culture, Sure, but this idea of being, like, it's very individualistic thought, I think. And I don't know how that contrasts with what your parents taught you and that, like, mm-hmm. Persian heritage.
0: Yeah, I, I can't speak for all Persians or, or, or like, I don't know whether, I would like to think, I recently went to Iran and I, I felt that it was a collectivist culture that generally everyone wants to see a better, you know, situation in the country and that down to the culture down to the root of what these people had in common They they thought together they were collective Mm -hmm. i feel like us if anything is where people no matter what culture they come from they diverge and they want to create their own path Mm -hmm. and i feel like growing up if anything it was my parents by taking me and my brother like every week to persian parties and family gatherings and cultural events it felt like this was the access the the portal to the collective mindset and then in school when I'm grinding hard when I'm preparing for college apps when I'm mm. you know I started gaining interest in cryptocurrency and I wanted to make a name for myself and now as an artist as a person establishing a personal brand it's all about how can I construct me within the context of me and who I want to be rather than mm. me and the people like I feel like I'm now I'm more than ever I'm detached from a collective cause it's like me mm. almost against the world yeah In in trying to Forge a path or do something unique or just be loud, you know, um, there's not a huge cause or culture behind me right now uh, Maybe maybe that will change I, I can't say if that's based on like what I, it, it because of what I do or because of me being so far from home constantly with Minerva yeah, but I definitely think childhood was a good time where I got to be okay with who I was based on my Persian heritage and and appreciate it and really create genuine relationships and feel that energy from other people. But I feel like now um a lot of it's in the past, you know, I'm far from home, <laughs> I'm far from my parents. Um, and it feels like, especially when I, I talk to Minervans, it's like we're all winning and struggling and trying to figure this shit out, right? Yeah. And there's, going behind a collective cause right now isn't in our best interest when we're trying to get a job. But I feel like a lot of us are do think for ourselves, out of, not because, Uh, We want to, but also because of necessity, like it's survival. Yeah. And the last thing I want is to be judged overly for being individualistic at times where I'm just like you. I have to go after my self-interest and get to where I need to go. Yeah. And there's a time and place to be loving and collective and to want the best for other people. So one time
1: you said something, which I I found it really interesting at the time. was like, you said, I'm just trying to maximize fun. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, or like maximize dopamine. Like, that's a very interesting, it it feels, I don't know, very obvious. But then I was like, I I was thinking about the life I live now. And that's completely not the mindset I have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not the mindset society has. It's like,
0: yeah, I feel like school and society and structure, what it does inadvertently is it kills your, the child in you. mm -hmm. And I think you have to, at some point you have to relearn how to have fun and relearn how to be present. Because yeah. we get so caught in the moment, like we're constantly working, constant that we have to fill out some application. Then morning you wake up, you have fucking class, and then yeah. by the time it's weekend, it's like you have a couple tasks you have to get done. And you do have fun. You don't you don't think about like maximizing fun in that way. But generally, like me too, I hate to say, but like I'm a robot now. I'm a mm-hmm. bot. I'm like the, I'm the NPC that my past self was criticizing because I yeah. have to do these mechanical tasks to survive and to play a role in this environment. And, you know, I guess when I said that, what I really meant is back to the whole thing about being authentic, being yourself, expressing yourself fully and being in the environment where being yourself leads to your win. I have this autistic friend back home. Mm. He's also Iranian. His name is Ramin. And basically, like I asked him last night on a call, like, what's the meaning of life Ramin? And his answer was the same, just to have fun. And I think that in the end of your life, when you look back. You're not gonna think about the assignment. You're not gonna think about the job interview. You're not gonna think about some contract you sign. You're gonna think about the fun, the love, and you'll, you'll take away the deep relationships you had with your interests and who you are as a person. Mm. And a lot of that comes down to being yourself and having fun and having these outlets to be yourself.
1: This is an interesting, I think, philosophical topic. Structure also enables freedom. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, following these norms can also allow you to be better versions of yourself. But definitely, I, I think just
0: what it comes down to nowadays, given that there's this like dichotomy. Yes, I'm I'm trapped, but also I'm aware that I can have fun and I should mm-hmm. have fun. It starts with
1: awareness. I, I, I like that because it's like you're being intentional about which structures you follow and you, which you do. Um, do you think you could make yourself follow all these structures if you had to? Because I, I know you're a very smart person as well. And like doing all the pre-class work, not the most fun thing in the world. But do you think if you had to or like force yourself to, you could? Let's start by saying I do do my pre-class work. So, so I'm,
0: acti- I'm actively... <laughs> Hi, professor. <laughs> yeah, hello, guys. Uh, yeah, I do do my work. I, I did no AI used on this assignment, you know. Uh, let them Let the listeners know what's really going on. Just kidding. Um, I think, yes, uh, I could definitely make myself okay with limiting myself and saying yes and being a clog in the machine comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more like knowing what I know now, after all the adventures we've been on in Minerva, having met people around the world and seeing the types of lives, both creative and like structure that people can lead. I don't want to... Set yep. the bar low. I don't want to limit myself, especially at this age when I have all this energy. Like this is go time. This is a, you know, the hero's journey. This is where like my decisions matter, and that if I decided to structure myself, the last thing I want is regret, or mm-hmm. last thing I want is those what if questions. Like what if I did this, or what if I didn't make that song or that album or paint that picture. Um, that's that's not what something I look forward to. So I I do want to. Maximize the possibilities and I feel like that can only be done with self-awareness with awareness of your environment And with knowing that bowing down to every structure and everything you're told isn't always The recipe you know you you as a human is a person experiencing life for the very first time You can based on your own single observations come to your own conclusions and I think people don't it's almost like they disregard that they have their own existence as an account as a reason to make certain decisions they always need a different source and i'm like who who are those other people to decide what you are going to do obviously there are cases case by case things are different but i think that people should really you know don't don't sell yourself short to yourself you know
1: yeah yeah okay what do you think other people think is the most annoying thing about
0: you. that I won't shut the fuck up, either. That, or, I don't know. I think when people deal with someone who's very charismatic, and it can seem like they're they're asking for attention. And my response to that is generally that sometimes self confidence and charisma is is misinterpreted as this mad ego, narcissistic attitude by the same people who have never fully experienced confidence and mm. been in my shoes. I feel like if someone understood what I was trying to do or what I was trying to express, they would understand why I make the decisions I do or say the things I do or act the way I do. I think everyone plays a role based on their who they are and their interests. And the people who want to see me as the, the annoying guy or the guy who's always talking about his art or this or that, they don't really understand what it is I'm trying to do. And instead, Mm -hmm. it's easy to see it as like an annoying narcissistic thing, when in reality, it's, um, it's different, like, I, I can't explain it, you know, perfectly for for someone who's not me, you know, it's really hard to explain my my brain and my thoughts to other people. But I would just say don't judge. And, you know, if if others, I think, generally, people should be happy for each other. And, um. Even if someone is annoying, you can start by trying to understand why am I thinking they're annoying? Because once you start to think why you think someone is a certain way, you'll, it'll reveal things about your thoughts about yourself and your worldviews or the way you see certain things that suddenly it's like, aha, maybe maybe he's not the problem. Maybe it's it's my filter maybe whatever. Maybe I'm looking into this too much. But generally, I, I can totally see why someone would think I'm annoying and this or that and I would say yeah I guess I'm proud of it you know it's who Mm -hmm. I am and um, if I wasn't this way once again I I would be unhappy with myself and I would turn into the person who becomes like the critic all the time and I want to just be comfortable living my way and and saying the things I have to say. Okay let's talk about your
1: art and
0: you consider yourself an artist. I do I think other people hopefully do as well and I hope my mom does. You know, shout out my mom. Um, yeah, I, w- I would call myself an artist, painter. So, what, what, so you do
1: painting and you do music? Yes. Those are the two main categories.
0: Those are the two main characters. But like I said earlier, let's not limit ourselves. Um, depending on where life goes, I would love to take literature more seriously and really express myself in detail through writing and creative writing. Um, also being a fan of sci-fi, like I would love to see my attempt at world building in that realm, like huge Star Wars and Halo fan as a kid. And I feel like I I wouldn't be the person I am today. And with the music I make as well, it being psychedelic and this kind of spacey attempting to be futuristic vibe. I'm like, what if I can write this down? What if I can have the space to coherently structure my thoughts and build cool characters? You know, I would love a chance at that, you
1: know. Hmm. So then what do you think
0: is the overarching characteristic of your your the common denominator yeah. Well, it keeps it going what, what is what it what makes it kusha azim? what's the force sure so what makes it kusha azim is a rejection of rules and I'll mm-hmm. explain what what that means in the work itself um, it means not overthinking things like putting on the canvas or in the tracks what comes to mind in the moment and I think being very present mm-hmm. and intentional with how you're displaying the present moment. I feel like whenever I'm creating any work of art, it, it really is a product of both the zeitgeist, the world we live in, the words that are spoken, as well as what's going through my head. And like mm. with relationships, with friendships, with family, like with the with the trees and squirrels and dogs and whatever, whatever I see in the day, I typically freestyle my songs. I don't write it down at the start. And it's usually the most important part of a song is when you catch the flow, you figure out which vocals to do to fill in certain pockets. And it's that first few freestyles that you clock in, which really set the pace of the song and your motivation to finish the Mm -hmm. song. And like if that day, let's say I'm going through like heartbreak or some other form (laughs) of trauma, you know, I I can express that and I can make the hook of the song, for example, about that theme. And it's only by going through life and having these experiences that can put me in the headspace required to sit down. And basically channel this information, and and the product of that just happens to be music and songs. But it's me being me. When I paint, it's it's really it's it's less structured. I think from the external view, it must seem mechanical and intentional. Like he thought to put red, he thought then to put pink or whatever. But what's going through my head is like almost like this, these instructions. And some artists would say from a higher power. I'm not gonna, you know, say it's God or whatever, but. I, I would mm-hmm. say like there is this force, there is that present moment force that is helping me decide to put the red next to the pink or the blue and mm-hmm. basically create the structure or the balance in that painting. Which is to say it doesn't come from just you. It's hard to say. You I am mean, thinking about emergent properties like mm-hmm. what is that force in this world? Who created it? What is it? Why is it in me? Why am I using it? It's hard to give the breakdown whether all of this is a local phenomena in my brain or if maybe I'm listening to something or maybe like there's a magic going on you know uh, I really like this this guy Rick Rubin you know big white beard what, what he says basically is that ideas aren't as original as you think there's a time and place in this world that an artist somewhere will put something down on the canvas or record something that just has to exist and that when that song comes out it's a huge success because the world and the artist you know, their timing aligned, and that artist was able to use the same like external force that every artist has access to, but in a more intentional and appropriate time. Of, when I make certain songs or, or certain paintings, um, it's a success in my head just because it felt like the process was so natural. I don't see my music as like a song. I, I view it more as an experience where when the artist ideally listens with headphones or whatever, they enter like this sandbox where whatever they think about is fine. I want the person to be in there, trapped for like, whatever, two, three, four minutes, whatever the duration of the song is, and to come out of it having seen or felt, you know, the ride, whatever whatever it is I'm trying to express. If I give an example, like I have a song named Gangnam, which is basically paying homage to Gangnam. It's a it's a part of Seoul, where a city where we lived and we loved and we had a lot of fun in. And I created that song because I was thinking, you know, if I was driving in Gangnam and Tripping balls for lack of better words, hmm. you know, what kind of sci-fi experience do I want to have? What what, what are the sounds and the, the fusion of existence that I'm experiencing and I feel like in that song I it was my attempt at just capturing nostalgia and This like intangible feeling of being in Gangnam being in that sci-fi futuristic contemporary environment and then Packaging that in a way that if someone listens to it They're now in there. They're now in the sandbox mm. and I don't want them to come out of it I'm trying to create uh, an imaginative place where, like I said, there's no, there's no laws. You know, the song doesn't need to repeat a section. You don't need to hear the same hope twice. It's lawless. It's flowing. And I feel like my music also captures kind of my irrational behavior in the real world where it's like sometimes I do things that I can't explain. I say things that I'm apologetic for but like looking back at it I wouldn't change it because the the order of events or the order of creativity was natural and it felt like it was really me. And I feel like hopefully if you go through my discography, you wanna hear my songs, you wanna see my art. I want people to to see that it's a it's a it's an artist's attempt to be free and to create that environment and to create a world where others can tap into that flow and feel like kids feel like There doesn't need to be some elaborate formula or structure to everything. You know, I'm still not as good as I want to be in certain areas of my craft, but generally I think what people will continue to see in my life and my career is I will try to hone in on that lawlessness and trying to establish some order in it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, I, I do plan on making more mainstream songs that basically average out and dilute the experimentation a bit, but for now, you
1: know, I'm I'm motivated by that freeness and that environment. So earlier you talked about how art is a medium for you to express your energy, but then just now you also said when people listen to your art, you want them to experience that lawlessness and this like unchained consciousness. Mm-hmm. But so, so then, would you say you create more for yourself or for the audience or?
0: Sure. So I would say my most experimental and potent work that I'm proud of, you know, is definitely created for myself. And I'd say every song I make is created for myself, but there does become a point, you know, in that process where, of course, I think about genres. I think about Mm -hmm. listeners. I'm like, the sound I'm using is familiar to this audience. Or maybe if I went this direction, I can sell this as like a a hip hop product or like a, a trap. I think about these boxes certainly during the process, but in the end, especially after the song is out, I see it as something I made for myself. And I don't regret the decisions I made in production or even with what I say, because I, like I said, it's, it's the present moment. You know, some tracks I do turn it into something that people can enjoy intentionally. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm thinking more in that way because I do want to make songs that are more popular and that do penetrate culture to some extent. But for the most part, you know, I, I don't try to hold myself back. You you might not like the way it sounds, but there are enough moving parts and enough immersion that can be felt that it's certainly not some formula or something that's you know, explicitly structured just so people can enjoy it or just so I can listen to it over and over again. I feel like it's it's more natural than that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So then, if we're thinking about audience and just like metrics of, of success yeah. of a song and of an artist, would you want to be like as big as Kanye or or Kendrick or Taylor Swift?
0: <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I'm not sure what I want, and that doesn't just apply to your question. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know what I want because when I create it, it's it's not for that methodical purpose. Right. The short answer to the question is. Yes, I would like to be known. I I don't create to be seen or to be heard, but I, I'm not going to tell you I don't like it. I, I certainly no, it's, love it.
1: It's a very fundamental human like instinct.
0: I think to answer this question well, you need to think about what was Kanye thinking or, or Kendrick thinking mm-hmm. on their come up. Do you think they had in mind that, oh, Kanye would be sitting at 57 million monthly listeners in 2023, having divorced Kim Kardashian, having run for president and whatever? No. So I... I I will create for me for as long as I can and at some point I will, you know, conform and make that something more socially acceptable and more commercial. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that that can reach people. I'd like to think that the way I do it and the what I bring to the table is something that can be appreciated. You know, if, if I put a song out there, I I would love to see what People think whether it's good or bad because it's interacting with culture at that point when it's out there It's a product on its own. It's like a node in a network external of me. It's playing in that Spotify Mm -hmm. algorithm It's playing on Instagram. I love how everything I create, you know, right now it's not interactive But it's innately something to be talked about something to be experienced Mm -hmm. and something that me maybe over time would make more sense and would fall in like you know some cultural timeline or be recognized in the canon of a certain genre or the or the the world as a whole um i don't create it for that purpose but, but that's the beauty of it you know that the beauty is that when you know when i die and my paintings are sitting around wherever they mm-hmm. are that's me that's what i left or the songs you know even today you know i can send a song to a friend and they'll, they'll tell me what they think and if they recommend it with their friend suddenly that song is be- something bigger than me mm-hmm. it's something that's On its own. It it works its way around to whoever wants to give it a chance or, you know, give it their attention. Are you satisfied with
1: that? About art? What are you working on now?
0: I am releasing an album soon, and it's an album that I practically finished a year or two ago. I was working on it mostly after the soul semester. So after freshman year of college, and I just didn't finish mixing and mastering it. I wasn't satisfied with certain bits of it, but like 95% of it was done. It's like an 8, 9-track, 24, 25-minute album called Godspeed Said the Rain. Um, and it's this psychedelic, crazy adventure. I don't think people have heard something quite like it. It's, it's, it's strange. It's it's really me. So the title is Godspeed Said the Rain. It's basically saying... Said,
1: said the rain? Like yes. The weather.
0: The weather, yeah. So the the idea there is, from what I wanted to choose a title that felt right for the first album, for the first like body of work... And I was thinking like, you know, sometimes nature calls up, calls on you for something, you know, I don't think music was something I wanted to do, but I felt like the environment I was in and the timing of my interest in it mm-hmm. was something beyond me. It was the nature that brought me into the, brought me into here. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, there is that psychedelic influence. When I think of rain, and I, I I can think of, you know, mushrooms and fungi and the really natural you know, world of trees and green and all that. So I'm thinking yeah. about when I'm in that trippy zone, it's an element of that world that is calling upon me to, you know, do something. So this is kind of like my coming of age album. It's it's like the, the first one. The second meaning of the title is you can use the term rain of missiles or rain of rockets, like yeah. let it rain, you know, in that war connotation. So there's a heavy theme of war in the album. It's not something you you get when you listen to it. But, you know, if you if you think about it and with some of the sounds and things I put into it, there is that Ukraine-Russia war theme in it. And I, I was just really trying to capture the world at that moment and how that conflict impacted me and uh, the relationship I was in. And I feel like I'm proud of this work. You know, now when I listen to it, I enjoy the songs, but it feels like, you know, 19 year old Kusha. So I really mm. want to get this out this year to really put the chapter, put the past behind me and go forward with the more, like, uh, you know, a different sound, I would say. So I, there is a lot of music on the way. I do plan on releasing this album by the end of the year, getting it done. And then uh, we'll go from there. I, I guess at some point, I'll just be working on making songs to like, get people excited. I do want to make like, rage and club music, something that people can dance to and really like, bring out their raw energy, you know, not just create the trippy environment, but create something that's both trippy, immersive, but also like that they can get behind, like people's anthem. I I think that's like a mission. It's Mm -hmm. to create an anthem for people, something that people can listen to and like like lose control of themselves.
1: And then that really becomes something bigger than yourself.
0: And that's the goal, yes. So we'll see what happens, but um, stay tuned, I guess.
1: (laughs) Stay tuned. Okay, so let's talk about future. Actually, what are you studying? Sure. So I'm
0: studying social sciences, probably economics and society as a major. Academically, my head is generally in the direction of social sciences, looking at people, looking at the movement of money, states. I'm fascinated by people. You know, you could tell with what I said about self-expression and how I see other people behaving. I love taking that, you know, beyond and thinking about society and how people's behaviors affect one another, and then how that ultimately impacts the future. Um, And now we can talk about my future. Mm, Let's talk about your future. Oh, let's do that. Would you do a corporate job? You know, Never Say Never by Justin Bieber. I don't like that song, but it's applicable to, you know, answering Leo's question. You know, preferably not. Preferably what I do is in line with the flow state we spoke about. It's in line with that self-expression, letting out what has to be let out channeling the external forces as well as letting go of all this mental cash and there are environments where that can come out outside of art i've had some experience in 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 the in the startup world where you have these young driven founders who think that we're taking on a huge problem or trying to build something and it's as if they're naive to to all the things that go into it but they're Mm -hmm. still doing it and they're still having fun doing it and they're still problem solving and it almost feels like when you are creating something new in this world, like there is a, a common path between artists, entrepreneurs, where you do need to pull from things beyond yourself and you do need to creative problem solving. If everyone solve problems the same way in like a structured format, we would look at the world differently. In reality, you have companies that come out of nowhere who look at things differently, who create the fastest, more efficient way of doing things. And it seems like magic to a certain degree, but mm. it, it, it's never like an overnight thing. Like mean, people spend so much time experimenting to do that. So with all that said, like I like creating things, and I, I wouldn't mind bringing that into a more professional mm. place where I'm building a product or I'm solving a problem, or I'm being that same artist, but architecting like a software product or architecting like, mm. you know, something uh that that people can use you know the same way i create songs and they can be distributed amongst people like my dad told me the the other day like he works in telecommunications he was proud that the project he was working on helped increase like wi-fi connectivity point is like even people in the corporate environment are aware to the extent that their work is impacting other people and social dynamics it's not like It's only artists or rock stars that captivate the energy of the youth or who push things forward. You know, I'm not going to discredit entrepreneurs, technical people who, you know, help us live in a more advanced society. i like to say we're living in a more comfortable place and we are able to be creative and open minded because we don't have a lot of the hardships and constraints that a non-advanced world, one with less innovation, less
1: rules would have. Yeah what uh what topics and fields have you engaged with in the past you said economics but is that like the the sector you're gonna go into
0: yeah so so in high school for better or for worse i was really into cryptocurrency for a while and like i thought it was like rocket science when i first heard about it looking at it now i i laugh i i think it's much of it is silly and blown out of proportion in terms of how it's seen as some groundbreaking technology or something that's mm-hmm. actually uplifting people's lives but it, w- it was crypto that basically put me on this path of thinking about money and thinking about people and people's interaction with money and value and how that we could live in a world where there are more decentralized institutions and structures money doesn't need to be tied to the government and when you start the conversation with money you start looking beyond money like Is less control good? Can people act rationally without government? And that sent me down a rabbit hole, but basically now that I'm studying econ and learning about like global development in these like concentration courses and thinking about like different models, it's interesting now to look at things in a more serious way and think like back at crypto, like how does crypto fit into this global scheme? You know, Mm -hmm. if I look at a developing country, how does that decentralized system fit in or does it not fit in? Basically, econ gives me the tools to see the world in a more organized way, I would say, because I am curious about the world. I just needed the vocabulary and the, mm. the, the I guess, the forum to understand it better and to yeah. have conversations about it. That's yeah.
1: interesting because it's like this structure is allowing you to see more and be more, you know. Definitely. Famous. Yes. Yes. And that's why,
0: like you know, in high school as well, I would say college is a scam. These degrees are bullshit. But now that I think about it, having done it, being in a classroom and putting yourself in the position of someone who's learning and trying to really engage with the material is a, is a good thing. Not only does it put you in your place as someone who has to listen to yeah. authority and to the, the textbook, the, the the norm, but it um, it's very important to know what other people are thinking. There are Bunch of people around the world who learn the same thing. So even if I am thinking outside the system constantly, I need to understand the common language. I need to understand what to counter my arguments with or understand the other side if I decided to be a contrarian Mm. like I do in art. As an artist, I'm a contrarian. As an economist or as a social scientist, I need to be much more aware of the line between where my creativity kind of becomes a threat more than a logical Thinking, you know, because mm. there there needs to be some rationale and logic when thinking about systems in the world. It isn't that creative playground that I'm limiting to my consciousness or what I'm trying to create in my art. Those are two distinct things. But I do have appreciation, I guess, for for the study of not just econ, but really, I, I like seeing, uh, you know, classmates really interested in an academic field because it, it tells me that they are curious. I like seeing people really invested in. Furthering their knowledge and I think that at some point I was criticizing the way they were doing it But now I understand it better. Mm. I think you can learn a lot on your own in the real world like I we were just outside at the melee protest right now as we speak it's the Argentinian election apparently the polls will be out in five minutes, but I oh, learned
1: that's
0: right. I, I learned something it was entertaining and I can take this thing outside the classroom and combine it with the you know, the more predictable structure knowledge and come out with my own findings and, um, yeah, increase my appreciation for both the art and the the science of, of any field. Mm. Are you scared for the future of, like, is there, like, a dream role that you think you want to be in? Or... Sure. So, as a child, my dream was to be a painter and to design Lego sets. And that's a very simple, cute dream. I'm halfway there. Mm. So, I think me as a kid would be happy looking now. But you know, life is difficult, especially after college, when we're alone, and we have to really, a lot of things get out of our control, we have to pay rent, friends will get distant, family will die, it almost feels like there's this predictable path toward loneliness, unless we put effort in getting ourselves involved. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic there. uh, But I think everyone is scared of being alone or not being heard and the last thing i would want is to despite all the talent i have or all the conversations i bring to the table there not being a a way of showing or or people i can connect with or people i can love like i Mm -hmm. i really want to maintain the relationships i built in school and with with family because i do see people struggle with you know loneliness and feeling like there's no hope just because there's no one there to hear them And I I feel like I need to make an intentional effort to work hard just so that I can, you know, be in the right position to have as many doors open, to stay active, to be around cool people, to be around the coolest people. You know, like as an artist, one thing that's my dream is, you know, hopefully I get to a stage where I can have conversations with some of these idols. I would also fear not having those conversations. I would fear that if, if I'm not able to put all my effort or all my mind in my talents or what I'm supposed to do. I will, I will settle for less. I will, you know, I, I want to be having great conversations. I want to be stimulated. I want to see the world. I want to experience it all. And I think that it's very important that I I have this fear of the mm-hmm. future and use it to make better decisions or to maximize my potential now. I should consider my childhood self. Like he wanted to be a painter. He wanted to design Legos. You know, I'm not going to limit myself to that. But like, I can appreciate that I'm painting. I can appreciate that I, I re-engage with this inner child. And I can think that, you know, maybe in the future I do do something in software. Or I do, you know, maybe it doesn't work out. It's just that ability to adapt and be aware of things and to seek out the best for myself and trust that vision, which will inevitably, hopefully, you know, get me to the, where I want to go. Mm-hmm. The best thing one can do is trust themselves. And... Um, If you don't trust yourself, well, really, your fate is in the hands of other people. What's one of the best decisions you think you've made? Well, obviously, attending Minerva University, like, duh. But other than that, like, there was a path that I went on that put me where I am now. And, you know, even in high school, I spent the last two years of high school in a middle college program. Basically, I was taking courses in community college, and that was like the first time I the alternate path in education and i think that set me up mentally to also go on the whole minerva journey and i think that it was me being open-minded and being comfortable with doing what other people were not doing you know i had friends who stayed in high school who wanted to stay in california who wanted to have that more safe predictable you know still great path but i don't know if i felt like there was something different for me or if it was because of my decision-making, it's it's hard to to see what the real intention was. Like, I can't give myself full credit for the decisions I made. Mm-hmm. But I think in recent history, going to Minerva and signing myself up for all this uncertainty and an adventure and, like, the unknown has really been a fulfilling experience. And I, you know, it's, it's much of what got me motivated to make a lot of music. You know, when we first moved to Seoul, that was when I really started to to think about music and to make more songs. And um, as I've continued to go around uh, these cities and these worlds and these people, my appreciation for life and existence only increases. And I have to like thank Minerva for that. I have to thank my family for you know, raising me in a way that I'm able to see it this way and to make those decisions. And I give them a lot of credit for staying open minded and for not enforcing too much you know my mom was a bit of a tiger mom she wanted to make sure my grades were good but just seeing that you know i had that 4.0 in high school she would let me mm-hmm. go out on the weekends she would let me mess around yeah it was very important that i had the academics right to to give so i was i had to sacrifice for the structure to get away with all the bs all the fun how mm-hmm. that now that i'm saying it it makes a lot of sense like I always have to feel productive and feel like I'm doing something right in the structured environment to give myself the freedom and the, the, I guess the privilege to fully go crazy outside of that. So even today, you know, it's important for me to do pre-class work. It's important for me to submit my resume to places for next summer. It's important for me to, you know, work on this. I just started a Coursera course on like econ Mm -hmm. models. Like it's so random. I want to learn about networks to more degree. it's important for me to make progress, like incremental process, progress and all these structured, silly, like nerdy things. So that when I go outside, I, I say that silly phrase, or when I, I go hang out with the boys and we do some, what boys do, you know, like there needs to be that balance. And I like to take it to the extremes. I take the fun part more to the extremes than I do the you know, <laughs> academic structure side. But thinking back, you know, really, I think it was ingrained in me, like I have to check a few boxes
1: before I can forget that the boxes exist. Yeah. Like one enables the other. In a way. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the fast fire round of questions. So just a, a word or a sentence. Go for it. Well, who are your three greatest musical idols?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I would say Kanye West uh, for obvious reasons. I would say Björk, this Icelandic artist, very very incredible, very raw. I, what I what I take from her work is that creative freedom and that taking taking whatever you do to its most pure and potent state. So I I think she does that well. What Kanye does really well is he's able to create sounds that are both present and futuristic, and he's able to speak to a people in a way that a lot of artists can't. Like mm-hmm. there is this grounded Realness to what he brings, and I feel like his music is very important to him for the same reasons like why it's important for me to let it out. I I see him letting it out in every one of his songs. Like it's really when you hear a Kanye song, there is an intangible element of his DNA and his ego and his purpose and mission in his work. So Mm. that's something I take away. It's that confidence and that that realness in Kanye's work, and then in Bjork, like I said, it's that raw potent creative expression yeah okay to guys by the way this was supposed to be fast fire it turned into like a forest fire my bad <laughs> if you were a fruit what fruit would you be bro probably like uh i don't know like
1: definitely not an apple
0: but that's the thing apple was the first thing that came in my yeah. head but then i'm like bro i'm trying not to be basic this whole podcast so right? like if i said so pod, like, if i said apple not. like but at the same time, so maybe, like maybe I am an Apple.
1: Maybe we're all Apples. Maybe we're, okay. Yeah, I, I, I would say Apple. One word to end the podcast to describe who you are. Ooh.
0: My answer is not ooh, by the way. Okay. Let me think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that could be it.
0: You know, honestly, like I said earlier, I talk a lot. Let's just end it with a nice goodbye. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your presence. Sounds good.
1: And we appreciate... You talking, Kusha. Thank you. It's yes.
0: always a pleasure, Leo. Always a pleasure.
1: Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and automatically get notified about new episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at humansofminerva.podcast for all the latest updates and announcements. And finally, special thanks to Hillary Tang for editing this episode. Thanks for listening to Humans of Minerva.